second we're getting a bunch of people up happy new year happy 2024 let me get all these different people up here and get this going we got the ex co-host we got the alpha growth we got karn mr key mr key i'm gonna come on one of your spaces soon we got the myth the legend the DeFi digital entertainment i see raza in the crowd raza if you want to come up too that would be rad you want to talk about what you're what you're doing, what you're working on, and uh, I'll just kick it off and get right into it. Brian Culligan, founder of Alpha Growth, here with Joe and the Alpha Growth team, and a couple of people. Super excited to start talking about 2024, the things that most excite you um, and everybody in the space, and figure out what it is that is going to make this bull grow, and figure out how to you know really really take advantage of what's going on. And I, I don't know if we're in a bull, a micro bull, a semi bull. Uh, I'd love to get it started round table, open up and see what people want to talk about. Um, I know there's a couple of people that want to talk about their own projects, but let's just start with, is this a bull? Is this not a bull? Are we in a, or is this just kind of like how it is going forward? I think until the person cutting your hair tells you to buy Bitcoin, I don't think you can officially call it a bull. All right, so we got the haircut theory. What else we got? I think uh, the market is bullish. It is a bull not because of what happens just with the price action. The people who are looking at the crypto space or uh, businesses thinking about blockchain, they are adopting and there's more and more coming into the space irrespective of the price action. So that is a good long-term trend that states that we are in a bull market right now and the price has to follow sooner or later. Yeah, I think finally the institutions are here, right? There's, there's no greater endorsement. It's going to be up uh, eventually, whether that's, I think it's probably priced in, but I think we're probably headed to an uptick with BTC and then a quick following with alts, um, and then we'll see. But I think there's no doubt that this has got to be a bullish sentiment. I think that the, uh, the bull will happen, uh, a major bull run will happen as soon as we start focusing on uh, providing better user experience uh, without sacrificing decentralization. We have a saying within our community, if uh, if grandma can do it without the use of uh, asking her grandson or granddaughter to help her, uh, we know we're definitely in a good run. I, there's a yeah. long, long thread in that we could like dive into. Um, I'm going to go counterparty on that and say, no, no way. I think it's a feature. I think security and decentralization is a feature. And as soon as you you get it easy enough for grandma to use, you're going to have to trust some institution to abstract all of the uh, the nonsense for her. And then you're once been, again, back to that centralized party. So 
Um, I think uh, I think a bad UX is 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 a feature, not a bug. Plus, piggybacking onto that, my next door neighbor has been trying to get me to help her buy gold, and she's in her sixties, so she's definitely old enough to be a grandma. And I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like grandmas. That's the wrong metric because I don't know if grandmas are ever gonna have a need or a or the ability to interact with web I think we just kind of have to write that off and start with the youngins. I think that I think that grandmas will definitely be using this, especially if if uh, big tech starts moving more into the web three space and everyday things that they use um, will be basically be able to adapt to the web three space. For sure, it doesn't matter the age as long as as long as everything that they're using gets converted over. I think you'll start seeing more and more people like that jump in. Yeah, I would. I just, I just have, I just, sorry, sorry. I just have to say that I think we're right now in the expansion phase that the internet was in after the inter the initial internet bubble. It's just the acceptance phase now, and the acceptance phase is just going to enter into an expansion phase. And depending on what is built and how it is built is going to define the future of what it is we're doing. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. There's a lot of interesting points that have been raised here also. Certainly um, from my desk, from my point of view, um, with a lot of the announcements and uh, surrounding beat. BTC ETF and institutional interest, um, I think that that addresses kind of top of funnel and the accreditation of the industry on the whole and blockchain and the applications of blockchain, not just within crypto, will be applied for in, let's say, uh, you know, traditional spaces um, that appeals to that top of funnel market. What I would like to see out of this next uh, bull run and really over the next 10 years is more savvy adopters, right? So those that have been involved with crypto for a little while, learn a little bit more about these decentralized platforms to open up financial instrumentation that does keep that level of transparency, that does keep that decentralization. And I think that with that comes the need for, uh, you know, security, transparency, um, and a, a decent user runway. So not targeting grandma necessarily, maybe grandma at the top of the funnel, but really taking those people that invested in Bitcoin in 2019 and 2021, educating them on different protocols within the DeFi space and moving them down into more savvy users that help build the robustness of the industry on the whole. All right, you heard it here. Um, we have people pro-grandma token, people anti-grandma token. Uh, that ticker is going to probably pop up in the next 24 hours. Um, bullish, bust, short it, long it, whatever you want to do. Uh, quick little housekeeping thing. Um, you want to interact, share, like the space. It would be really helpful if anybody want, you know, pinks of people to bring them into the conversation. Um, but you know, got a, a bunch of people here in today and, you know, let's diving more into it. What's the hip new thing? What, what's, what's the narrative that's going to bring in the next wave? I'm super curious, whatever ha everybody has to say. I got a couple ideas, but, uh, I'm curious. I uh, I think I would say 
uh, simplicity is being the narrative at this point in time. Uh, we have a lot of conversation going around things like real world assets and so on. But one of the common factors with all the RWAs is again simplicity. So if you look at the underlying trend with account abstraction and uh, some of the new wallets that are that's up and coming, uh, the end user bringing most of the traditional users on board. Uh, of course, some products compromise on one or the other, or some don't compromise on anything, but the end goal is to bring the larger audience. So I see the point in time where this year we'll have a lot of these drag and drop tools and no code solutions, uh, things that help people to start deploying, creating something in the world of blockchain without having to uh, worry about the complexities. That's the trend with the uh, with almost all the new uh, DAP concepts and trends that's up and coming right now. So I see that as a major uh, shift in interest because without which even all those real world assets and everything that we talk about would have a very, very small market. That's one of the conversations that we recently uh, had in uh, one of the other spaces as well. Who is there to buy this RWAs if you're only focusing within the crypto market with all these crypto tools, unless we make it possible for the greater world to come in because what we have is a beautiful opportunity and amazing uh, solution but we need everybody to use it not just a few people within the space all right so double clicking on what you got there i hear rwas i hear account abstraction i'll throw one in out there they're a client of ours uh, they're called collabland um they are doing an account abstraction wallet embedded in telegram now, the, the cool thing is, is now you log in with your Telegram, you have a wallet attached to it, and cool. You can now like really easily ape into different tokens, find new different things to get into. But now you have a whole new attack vector with account abstraction in Telegram. If somebody hacks my Telegram, my wallet is effectively gone. So, you know, yeah, account abstraction is a, is a rad topic. And then RWAs, anybody want to talk about throwing their more things on RWAs? I, I wouldn't mind chipping in a little bit, but uh, I'll let someone go ahead if they were about to start. Like We talked a lot with RWA protocols, um, also because it's super interesting for us as we are building um, digital asset funds and fund infrastructure. Um, and most of them actually say that this is quite some time until they're really easy to use. Like the, the type of RWA that is now working, that is easy to use, and also works like with a secondary abstraction without KYC is absolutely minimal and not mass market ready at all. I think that RWAs are a great opportunity to bring real world yield to the crypto space. And that's what we desperately need, sustainable yield that is uh, clearly above what you can get with a um, US treasury note. But um, with RWAs, I don't believe that this will happen in the next years in a significant way. I think account abstraction is great um, because especially it focuses on the biggest problem that we currently have, and that is usability. Um, I strongly believe that as long as a user needs to understand what is a blockchain and what type of blockchain my assets are on, um, it will, is not mass market ready. That is just something that normal persons will never want to understand. And account abstraction can solve that. Um, but here, the user interfaces needs to be reinvented. Like even MetaMask still 
is has so many um, issues in the usability, in the simplicity, and in speed. And um, so I, I'm totally believe that we will run into a bull market and ETFs are great for institutional capital coming in. New capital is what the space is needing, but is not the thing that will push its adoption. And for that, we still need to push forward and do a lot in usability, as well as do a lot in fighting scammers. Because here, I also believe that the space is still doing too little to actually solve the problems. Oh, this is this is true, but I mean, RWA's new narrative, it's basically a new market. The GameFi market, is, you know, which is where we are, the GameFi digital entertainment as a whole, the usability there, that bridge, in my opinion, was breached already. So the people, the tools that were built, I mean, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. So users now being able to create accounts using social logins and having completely non-custodial wallets um, handed over to them using solutions like Web3 Auth. This has happened already for the GameFi space, and I believe that it will actually be accelerate um, the adoption of RWAs themselves. Like The solutions are there. It's applying them. It's, it's focusing on creating or adapting existing solutions to new markets because the solutions and the tools are there. People can focus on, let's say, usability without focusing on user safety, but there is no actual need for that because, again, the solutions are there already and products can build leveraging these solutions. There's a massive market. There's a ma I mean, <coughs> the market... You know, for every, let's say, narrative out there, um, there are solutions for all of them. Um, there's no real excuse not to actually leverage them. All right. So we got the tech. We've got some of the fundamentals. Any, any pro RWAs? Little, it seems a little tepid in the RWA space. Um, some of the feedback, some of the digital asset framework for GameFi. What else we got in terms of RWAs? I mean, I think if I can chime in, so I'm involved in a project called BB.Exchange. And a lot of our focus uh, in the RWA space this past year has been developing uh, particularly drug research programs. And we liked a lot of what was happening in Web3 with respect to just funding general research. But we zeroed in on particularly drug discovery because we saw that there was a huge market inefficiency in terms of being able to directly finance uh, drug IP and monetize it. Um, and so, you know, to give you kind of a broad example, <clears throat> just a couple of days ago, uh, Isomorphic Labs, which is uh, affiliated with DeepMind, that's one of their R&D divisions, just did a $3 billion deal with Eli Lilly and Novartis. And we've been working with a company that has uh, a much better method of discovering novel small molecules. So they spend probably orders of magnitude less than what other drug companies normally spend to discover a new molecule. Um, and so our thesis is that we can bring 10 to 20 drug programs online this year where Web3 investors could participate in investing in these drug programs 
and then participate in the economic upside as they're licensed or sold to biopharmas. And we think that the tech is pretty much ready for, uh, for supporting something like that. And that for the most part, the core technology in Web3 is here to stay and it's here to evolve. The big catalyst is going to be, how do I generate a real world asset that when it's monetized can actually result in real world value? Uh, otherwise, we'll run into kind of the same front-running scam type environments that we saw in the last cycle, whereas this time, I don't think the retail investor is going to sort of buy in just as quickly as they did last time. No stymie checks, bro. Last time, there was stymie all over the place and a lot of people at home trying to figure out how to make their next bags. Um, but I think I think the two things on RWAs here that, that are kind of popping up to me and is that in the biopharmaceutical space, there really wasn't um, financial and fintech rails before. And in the GameFi space, there kind of wasn't like rails before, like a whole bunch of like fintech infrastructure that's available at, at, at these different types of things. And I, so so where I'm seeing um, personally not as bullish on, let's say, you know, digital gold or digital T-bills, but, but new types of entrants that have openings for... That, that don't have like the fintech infrastructure already in existence, I think it's like a huge opportunity for RWAs. I think uh, I can give you some uh, possible examples that might uh, change the topics from just the uh, bonds and tables, et cetera, because uh, the RWA market is very vibrant, but it's just that it is slow to come to the surface. So in our accelerator, we do have entities like that are tokenizing ships, for example, cargo ships that provide uh, real uh, monthly revenue to the holders from the uh, revenue generated from the transport of cargo to uh, those who are chartering helicopters and uh, helicopter tokenized out there. Uh, we have an entity that is tokenizing water wells in Sweden that is pure actual access to uh, water that can be traded on the secondary markets. So these are some of the assets we don't hear about normally. We hear about the real estate, the gold, uh, things of that kind, but these markets are very illiquid markets. And if someone is bringing liquidity to these markets, not only is it great, but they have their own customers. Everyone working in these uh, industries, they all envision to one day own their one day own a ship, but they cannot, it's expensive. So they don't even need to market to a crypto audience or to a segment of uh, traditional investors, but their market is big internally, which will consume whatever uh, liquidity that is required for that sector to grow. Uh, of course, it's not the sixtieth asset out there. It's not something that everybody is going to be speculating on. It's niche, but that's that's the beauty of it. It's niche. It needs a liquidity. It needs its own audience. It can be contained. It doesn't need an external hype. It's a bubble on its own, and it is a tangible, realistic bubble that is founded on uh, the right foundations, like things like insurance. Nobody's going to lose the money unless the insurance company goes down. Uh, everything is in a very traditional environment where it is safe for them. So the biggest challenges that would come by in the RWA space right now is really the question of custodianship and things like that. And uh, that is also very easy to solve, especially with solutions that has come, like the chain links, uh, real-time auditing solutions and things like that. So yeah, I think uh, there's quite a few... Uh, angles of approach here that might be more colorful than the traditional RWAs we think about? For me, when I think of RWAs, I, I 
I think that there's a key component that's really missing. And it's it's one thing that we're working on over at Layer 1X. And, uh, we're a blockchain. And one of those things is uh, true interoperability. Um, we offer bridgeless um, uh, cross-chain, not only transfer of assets, but also logic and data. And our whole goal is, is that we want to try to unite all the chains together because, you know, using your, your example that you just talked about with like insurance and, you know, things like that. If, if I was to buy a car and get a, get a loan for per se through like Ethereum, but then um, my insurance that I want to go through is on Binance, it, it makes the experience extremely hard. But, you know, if, if we can leverage true interoperability, bridgeless interoperability, then we can start really emphasizing a good user experience, even though they're through two different projects. And so that's one thing that we're we're really focused on. And I feel like once that we can all get unified on a on a front with interoperability, I think that that'll be a good good step towards getting RWAs accepted. And along with that is also the cost involved. Um, I mean think about buying a cup of coffee that's uh, from a place that's uh, you know, developed on Ethereum, it's going to be one of those things that I don't want to pay 15 bucks for, for a 4 or $5 cup of coffee, right? And so the costs need to get down there as well. So those are kind of two things that I see that would help elevate and, and accelerate the adoption of RWAs. I'm going to chime in I, on two things where one, I agree with Karnica very much that I would like to, we ourselves avoid the real estate market because we think it's, you know, over-regulated in many ways and just very difficult to uh, build uh, efficient solutions where there are plenty of people who would, you know, try to compete on web two. The market uh, seems to be in areas that people aren't going like biotech, or we've been talking to a company that, uh, develops microgrids where you could finance the creation of a mini power plant and then participate in the uh, sale of the power that's produced. Um, and so it's finding these little niches more than kind of, I think, what is traditional. Uh, the other side of, of the coin, which uh, uh, Layer 1 mentioned, we have been avoiding things where transaction cost <clears throat> is a material issue. If you've been following this thread recently about Carta, where uh, people were uh, quickly trying to exit, one of the things that happens to Carta users when they shut down their account is I, as the issuer, once I close my Carta account, the entire cap table of the company is wiped out, which means that the investors who invested uh, lose the records if they haven't gone out and maintain their own separate records. Um, and so to us, a lot of the legal infrastructure transacting capabilities that Web3 offers gives protection to both sides. And often the capital that's moving back and forth is large enough that people don't really care about paying 15, 20, $100 a month uh, to make sure that their financial assets are logged correctly and always available to them. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, dude. Like when you're talking about the the capital size, like I don't mind it, when we were doing um we were helping out some finance and doing protocols. It was like 
hey, none of these trades make sense unless you're doing like 10K clips or above. Like if you're if you had to pay $20 in gas, $40 in gas, like it doesn't make sense unless you're doing 10K at a time. So I think size does matter in this, in this calculation on which um, the cup of coffee chain is probably not going to be the same chain as your company acquisition chain, right? And like where the, you're, you're storing your company assets you know, if it's a banana, you know, it might be on some like L3. If it's like, hey, I'm going to put all of my company documents and this is how I'm going to power everything in my business going forward. Um, you know, security matters. But like for RWA, I still think one of the biggest issue is the custodian. Like the, the magic of the blockchain is that it's in a smart contract. It's transparent. You can easily trade it. You know what you get. But um, with any RWA, you always need to have custodians. Every um, protocol that, that, that creates RWA or is a base protocol for ADA RWAs uses different custodians, different um, um, verification of these different quality standards. So if you have, even with simple things like gold, you probably have already 20 different tokens which represent gold. All of them have different custodians. All of different have different quality standards on that. And that doesn't make it easily interchangeable. And with every interchange, you always need to take care of the risk that you're taking with changing from one asset to the other. That's fine if it's an ERC-20 token. You basically know the type of risk of all the assets, but it's not with RWAs. And I think that's the biggest issue of making them standardized and interchangeable. Like there are great opportunities for easily arbitrage on a lot of RWA types. Um, it's like the, the easiest one I think is still is factoring. Um, there's so high factoring costs around the world could easily be digitalized and streamlined, but the custodians are the biggest problem in the issue. So I believe IWA space, if you want to push it forward, standardize custodians, standardize standards, make a consortium. This is maybe like off-chain, boring, traditional finance stuff, but that would bring drastic improvements in how RWAs are managed in the space. Yeah, I think with Pulsar.ai, we're solving for discoverability for NFTs. Um, obviously, we use a lot of work with artists. Um, you can see now a lot of the people who use our platform are digitally native NFT users, but they also kind of pair real-world assets with a piece of art. So it's a, it's a cool way of using an NFT as a, a way of yeah being the digital placeholder, having the royalty, getting the royalties in perpetuity, but also accompanying that with, say, a, a print of the real-world asset, this case, a, a piece of art. That's something I think is going to be massive still. I think there's a lot of artists who are hesitant to jump into the into this space. Um, they kind of view NFTs maybe as something that they don't understand or they're not ready to touch it yet, and they have been trained in the, in the physical world. Um, so I think having them realize the value of NFTs as a real world asset and porting the two um, is going to have really immense impact on the way that they can go direct to their community, the way that they can monetize their content and basically allowing them to, to compete in a digital marketplace, even if they are trained in real world assets or a physical art form. Well, th that's the hack, right? You can sell an NFT and then airdrop the real asset. Like that, that feels like, like regular arbitrage 
regulatory arbitrage that'll eventually close. But right now, that is that is ripe. Um, that's a very very ripe space to interact with. Uh, love it. But Big I think threat. there's there's also several Go other ways. Oh, sorry. Go for it. Man. There's also several other ways. Like basically. Um, you have the real world assets. The real world assets is held by a custodian. If you want to have true ownership, then you need to do KYC. You need to be verified with whatever custodian is to apply to any regulation for real world assets. Great. So you have a token that is needs to be KYC'd and then you're allowed to access it. But then you could have a second abstraction if you're just interested at the as, uh, for of the interest of the custodian. The, the second one can issue basically vouchers for the first token, which you can ever anytime redeem as long as you do the KYC. Um, and as long as you don't do it, you still have the voucher and you can do with the voucher token, whatever you want. And I think that's currently the easiest way of this like two level abstraction to, because like, you know, different people want to have different things from an asset. Some want to have true ownership or need true, true ownership for, um, for tax purposes. Others just want to have the interest and don't care about the asset or others even just anyway want to have it for lending or for perpetual purposes. And I think that's the magic of the blockchain. You can have all the range available. Um, you just need to know what you want to have. And I'm, I'm looking forward when this is also transparently available because currently you have like 50 different forms which have a little bit of different facets but that makes the market hard and i believe that standardization is desperately needed but i think i'm repeating myself all right we got bitgrid up next and then we'll go to jap what do you got bitgrid hey guys uh alejandro here senior community manager at bitgrid um I don't have much to share on RWAs, but I'm going to go off on a limb here uh, because we are an AI company going Web3. Uh, I guess you wouldn't consider AI models necessarily a real world asset, uh, depending on who you ask. But I think we will eventually reach the point where we will be putting these models inside actual robots, if not there already. So I guess you would consider that a real world asset, and that's going to matter uh, depending on what kind of robot you want to build. Um, I will say that uh, we're at the cusp of the AI and Web3 space, uh, where we basically are, we have a decentralized competitions platform like Kaggle for data scientists, but we're looking to create a financial wrapper around it with our own uh, native token. Um, so we're intersecting those those two worlds and uh, you know, open source and data is so important. So obviously crypto and blockchains and being able to vet everything is something that's, you know, that exists already for us. We want to bring that over to AI, especially with OpenAI taking the uh, all the spotlight with all the centralization going on there, which we think is really a threat to uh, a lot of open source development. Um, can I? So, can I? Sorry, sorry, bigger. Sorry, can I ask you a question there? When, yes. like, with your with your solutions with um, you know, with, with data, what is the reason behind actually tokenizing that and not actually leveraging traditional existing models applied to Applied with a Web three spin. Are you talking about open open source or what? What do you mean exactly? Well, no. You said you were to you're you're planning on tokenizing um, the, the concept of what you're building. What yes. is the reason for tokenizing versus monetizing in a traditional sense 
with everything backed up by Web3, uh, well, let's say on-chain. So real-world value, ease of access to being able to access that data without the need for tokenization. Well, so the reason why we're considering that is because, I mean, we, we do live in a profit-driven, incentive-driven world, right? So we have data scientists that literally compete in our AI competitions from India, Brazil, the United States, and we right now are paying them out in fiat payments. Um, but that's one of the reasons why we want to have a token. But the other reason is because we see a lot of this work being created through, let's say, Hugging Face. And it's just like free labor, free work, all this time being spent with these data scientists, you know, trying to create these new uh, products. So we figure it's only makes sense to compensate people for their labor and their time. Um, and the fact that uh, OpenAI, they finally put out their GPT marketplace today, which, of course, is a closed source version. So, we, you know, we figured, OK, yeah, we could have something like Hugging Faces open sourced. But if it's a true marketplace, you know, it makes sense to have uh, a universal token on there. So, you know, we've been going through the motions and through a lot of the legal entities uh, to make sure that we're, uh, we're up to point. So, so uh, sorry, again, on, on that front, if you've, got a, if you've got a marketplace and the token itself is being used on the marketplace, do we not end up back at square one, essentially, where it would be like going into a supermarket and paying for a bottle of Coke with Coke stock? Like I, I, mean, I, see the, I, I see the value of the data market. I mean, we've actually got a, a pretty um, amazing team working alongside us that is data. It's, well, they're data-driven. It's all about, um, let's say, monetizing data that is, well, let's say, Web3 data, um, basically bringing a Salesforce-style ent enterprise solution into Web3. Um, but the, the pitfalls that we're seeing is that when you're when you tokenize the, the financial model behind a product, unless it's tokenized in a way that becomes market agnostic, it loses its value as soon as a market downtrend hits. And that's something that, you know, if anything, the past seven years in this space has taught us, it's um, you've, got to, you've got to build for the future and you've got to build something that's resilient. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not against money. I'm not against tokenization. I mean, hell, we're we're tokenizing ourselves. So, um, it, it's just how it's applied. So no, no, and big great. I, I, I got some real life experience on this. On the constant challenge between, do you internalize and centralize the alpha of of a model or of a financial strategy, or do you decentralize and distribute? Because as soon as you decentralize and distribute the alpha you effectively um, start to lose that alpha and it becomes beta or smart beta. So it is, it is a challenge. It's a, it's decentralized smart beta or do you centralize the alpha, right? So what I want to say on that front is that the competitions themselves are essentially going to be run in the same way we're doing them now from a web, very web two perspective. Uh, we have competition hosts in the past, like NASA and SoftBank. And the developers will be working in their you know, private cloud spaces, obviously, because they're working for proprietary data. However, the way they will be paid out will be in a non-fiat method. But when we move on to the marketplace, yeah, you, you guys have a point um, that if you know, these models are 100% put on chain, you know, there is an issue that they could lose value in the terms of volatility of the market. Um, so we're currently looking at that and you know with our white paper in terms of like how far exactly we want to go from the web3 aspect is it just going to be 
the token being used as a payment source or is it going to be you know fully on chain through let's say on the ethereum and cardano blockchain these models but essentially what we're going for yes is for that decentralized open ai open source version so um it's 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 tricky but we feel like this is the best solution because you know we can finally understand and know you know who is getting what piece of the pie and what's who's going to what and making sure that everyone is compensated fairly I like that. Thank you. Thank you for answering. Sorry, yeah, and again, sorry got, for the questions. It's just... <laughs> yeah, no problem. We're not allowed to ask questions in an open panel. How could you? All right, we got Jeff's hand up next. What do you got, Jeff? Hey, yeah, no, no, no. I'm loving the conversation. Thanks for the mo uh, moderation, Brian. Uh, you're killing it. Um, yeah, it brings, up, it brings up some interesting points uh, regarding uh, AI and the tokenization of data sets. Uh, we're working very closely for Web3 real-time market data as well, and you know, there are all these disparate systems, not just within financial uh, markets, but within DeFi, within Web3. Um, how do you maintain privacy while also uh, generating meaningful metrics and measurable, uh, you know, values from within your app or your application or your decentralized app? Um, you know, I've seen some subscription models that are interesting, um, but, you know, kind of no need to gild the lily if a TradFi subscription model necessarily works. Um, I raised my hand a little bit earlier, uh, just kind of going back to the status of, let's say, uh, the industry and what we can see in 2024 and beyond. And I believe, Andrew, you had addressed also like uh, NFTs and their place, um, right? So obviously we saw a huge advent in 2021 working with artists, um, with NFTs, uh, OpenSea that absolutely blew the doors off the market. NFT.NYC is a conference that's still incredibly strong. Um, but then there's been some pushback and then a stagnation uh, during the bear markets of over, let's say, the past, you know, 18 months, two years. Um, I, I, you know, I, I have seen, although, although like artists maybe have been a little bit sheepish, especially when they're coming from the traditional art space into the NFT space, you know, there are companies like Koi Network uh, that are doing some interesting things with NFT technology to build out a Web3 internet, right? So this would be not necessarily real, real world, world assets, of course, but really IP, right? Such that uh, a Web3 internet is built by a series of NFTs. And those every time those NFTs are called uh, for a Web3 app or a website or a piece of content, then the original creator, the OC or OP, gets paid out based off views or number of times access so there there are like some really interesting utilization uh use cases for nfts that i think that we're really just kind of seeing the beginning of and this kind of goes back to uh what we're talking about previously with kind of the second generation uh or v2 maybe 2.1 2.5 of crypto technologies writ large um and yeah so i just kind of want to put my two cents sense in there because I thought it was a highly, highly interesting conversation. And there are really interesting players in the space. Um, I'm, I'm working with Hover as a core contributor focused on uh, marketing as my business unit. Um, and we're working on tackling this problem of e ease of access, simplicity, trust, and security with lending protocols and ultimately delta neutral long tail investment strategies. And how do we bring in you know, how, how do we marry the two, the, the granny problem, right? Uh, so, something that, you know, your grandma could use 
while also opening up financial instrument instrumentation that has previously been reserved for the investment class, right, or accredited investors um, in in a Web3 capacity. Jeff, Jeff, this, the answer is simple, and we could talk about it. It's it's really simple. You need grandma to buy NFTs as like CDs for 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 grandchildren, <laughs> and so the, you get a, you get them like this twenty, you know, twenty dollar like NFT that piles into a to a hover uh, money market and and auto compounds until grandson goes to college. I, I mean, I don't. I, I got to be honest, Brian. I don't hate it. You know, we're we're working with. Yeah. Uh, Asia Pacific is our primary target markets also. And, you know, when you're looking at Korea or Japan and to a certain degree, uh, mainland China, but maybe less so, NFTs and GameFi are still the name of the game over there, right? So the DeFi is not so compelling unless you're in these sharks or uh, whales, water cooler type channels. And while they have a place, if we're talking mass adoption, you know, NFTs are still highly compelling with that brand narrative. Um, one thing that we've been wrestling with, uh, we're launching on Kava at the end of this month, beginning of February. And, you know, while they have very low transaction fees, they're also built within Cosmos. And there is that kind of steep ledge for adoption of the ecosystem writ large. So that's certainly something that we're interested in. And then when you're looking at targeting sharks, there's been a lot of chatter recently about meme coins also. and you know, they do play a role with building hype and building sense of community, loyalty programs, uh, a sense of, of ownership within the community, uh, aside from outright launching a DAO, so early for us at least. And I kind of wanted to get other people's opinions on the role of, of meme coins within your organizations or not at all. Well, I'll jump in there just because I can kind of marry a lot of the threads here. Yeah, I think at, at Pulsar, right, we're the Google for NFTs. So just to come back to the original point, if the internet is going to be rebuilt on NFTs as the new primitive, and then everybody gets uh, compensated, all IP is accounted for, and it's kind of the, the real promise of Web3 on the consumer side and moving away from just Bitcoin and how we're going to rebuild the internet is everybody owns what they're actually contributing. Everybody gets compensated for their role in the value chain. It's much more meritocratic. I think AI is coming in, in a really severe way that it, there's no doubt that computer coins are going to be what trains the AI um, at Pulsar. That's probably where we're going to go with our utility token is a way of improving AI over time. I think a lot of use cases, a lot of applications are going to use a, a similar model. Um, I think that's definitely where, where the space is headed. Um, I'm glad you brought up meme coins. I think there's no doubt that there's a way to grow your community with meme coins. I'm really excited about what Solana was doing with Bonk. I think they took a lot of the things from Doge and Shiba Inu from Ethereum, uh, where they were just pure meme coins. And they were able, because they came secondarily, to take that ethos and now use the scalability and the growth hack of a meme coin to really launch and bootstrap a community. Um, and now they can build in real utility kind of across the ecosystem by in integrating that with other stakeholders, other projects, and signing a way to integrate utility. I think everybody here is in tech and uh, the value of a community, right, is, is very hard to quantify. But if you have a massive community, you can find a product to insert uh, down the line. So I think that's a good model for meme coins. Is there a way of growing a community, getting in uh, escape velocity, and then you kind of productize it 
down the line. I think that's a, a massive hack. It's, again, one of the main promises of token launches or ICOs was it was a way to bootstrap a project and get all this liquidity up front so that more people could run an experiment, start do a startup, do an organization. I think that there was obviously a lot of scams in 2017 with all of those ICOs, but with a meme coin, or you could think of it as a community coin, it's a way of bringing everybody together and then just distributing, decentralizing, or outsourcing what is going to be a product within the community. So I think those are are here to stay, and it's really exciting to see a lot of projects. Right. As you know, building building, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be devil's advocate here. Um, building out something, let's say, the proper way. Um, meme coins are a double, uh, they're a double-edged sword because meme coins, the same way that they can make it, they can break it. Meme coins are, in my opinion, they're a bad image on the space because you can, you have, you have the reference there from 2017 where you had a lot of vaporware, but ICOs were bootstrapping a project. That got lost on the way, yet it was the way forward. And the problem was teams were not docs back then. Team, the majority of everything back then was anonymous. Nowadays, there's a focus on quality. There's a focus on teams, unless it's in the meme coin space where everyone's anonymous. Rug pulls are more abundant than ever. You just have to go onto Solana. Everyone wants to be the new bonk. And yet nobody can be the new bonk, but somebody might be the new bonk, but it's still a bad image on the space. Projects, yeah. Go ahead. not just, not just, not just, not just like our own project, but projects that we're attached to are struggling to get funding. They're struggling to get, you know, with quality products, it's hard to break into a market and meme coins, you know, they're, they're a drain on the space in my opinion. Yeah, sure, you can you can create utility, but what are you creating utility around? Are you creating utility around something that brings value to somebody? To be honest, no. Everyone everyone in a meme coin is looking for the next hundred or a thousand X. They're looking for the next bonk. They're not looking for something quality, and it's bringing an, a, a pretty negative image onto the space, which has the danger of basically recreating twenty seventeen all over again. You know, it's like we're 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 building we're we're sorry we're building we're building a product um, over at Myth, where we have to be fully compliant worldwide. Bootstrapping is far more difficult when you're actually having to be compliant. Whereas meme coins don't have to be compliant; they just bring a very loosely perceived value to those that invest in it. Mostly because those that invested it are literally just looking for another 100x. They're not looking for actual value. It doesn't actually grow the space. It doesn't bring anything actually beneficial to the space beyond something potentially memeable. Okay. Okay, Myth. But what about the art? The art. No, no. Okay. So now uh, Grandma's coin is out. <laughs> <laughs> what about the it's art? Out. What about paying proper artists? I mean, you, you look at look at look at say look at Solana, look at look at Ordinals, where the top NFTs are shitty pixel art 
all over again. Yeah, dude. Look at everything, every <laughs> everything that is NFT collections. It, it, it is pointless. Myth, myth, it's okay if you don't get it. You don't if you don't understand the art. Um, we're we're now launched. We're got rid of Grandma Coin. We're getting Grandma's Bond. It's going on Solana, maybe with or without a hat. I'm not sure. We may have put a hat on it, but we gotta. By the way, sorry, sorry, Brian. If if somebody if somebody launches Grandma's Bonk within the next ten minutes, I'm buying. <laughs> I guarantee you, someone will. I, I'm at a, a, a weird spot of basically agreeing with everything you said, Myth, except for the fact that they're not going anywhere. Speculation, degeneracy is part of a new tech. It's part of a new ecosystem. So I would just say, kind of fade memes or fade meme coins at your peril, and especially if you're you're raising for your project, I think. Finding a way of capturing that and integrating it with real utility is the the needle that has to be thread. Oh, we're not we're not we're not fade we're not fading meme coins. Like yeah. totally the opposite. Yeah. Right. Again, I I've, I I have I have sat through crypto since 2017. We we've seen so much. Like you know, you can you have those people that are, have been here earlier, but 2017 onwards was basically well 2016 to be honest. Onwards was when. You, you started to begin differentiating people that were serious, people that wanted to bring something of value into the space, people that wanted to de democratize something of actual value, people that would analyze problems and actually bring a solution to the space because there's products out there. I mean, there, there's a big meme out there. I mean, I wish this would be memeable. It's a case of the protocols need the users, but the users don't need the protocols. And this is a huge, humongous problem. You can democratize assets. You can bring value to players. You can bring value to collectors, bring value to, well, basically anyone that participates in anything, but you can do it in certain ways. And meme coins, quite frankly, are not the way. They do not bring the right exposure. They just bring degenerates that are jeeting coins left, right, and center, trying to buy into the next 100x. That doesn't bring any actual value to the space. Degeneracy, yes. Potential value and potential gains, yes. But it doesn't actually fit in with the Web3 ethos of building something alongside communities, because those communities are not built on the premise of actual value. They're built on the premise of a joke. Okay, 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 okay. Right. Okay. No, it, remind, it reminds me of that famous phrase, you know, if you want to go, you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go long, go together. Right. And I agree. These are not a great look for the space. While they may serve a purpose. And if they are community driven and don't dilute with trust or utility of the product, they may serve a purpose. But ultimately, I mean, Hover is a long tail product. Launching a meme coin to target the DGen audience is not really what we're about. And so, you know, navigating or, as you said, threading that needle is it's a dangerous game, 100%. All right, we've got a hand here. Let's get to uh, Raza again. Raza, what you got? Uh, I had a question for BitCrit around AI models and um, sort of what the plans were with respect to where to locate models and data. So is the idea to store models uh, on chain, which seems right now technically uh, not possible, um, or to sort of effectively store the model somewhere else uh, issue a token that points to it. And then, you know, for people who uh, purchase the token, they then get rights to either the model or underlying data. Is sort of, you know, how are you architecting your solution? Yeah, thank you, Raza, for the question. Um, 
so right now our ultimate goal is to have it on chain uh but yes uh, the the idea right now is because we're dealing with the AI competitions, we're dealing with proprietary uh, data from these companies. Um, it's gonna be a tough. It's gonna be tough to essentially if it's the deal with a private company, they're gonna want to keep the new model or algorithm as created their own, right? Um, we want to ideally uh, create a system where we're not only having our own uh, hosted competitions. Uh, but also when our marketplace launches later this year, um, that not only do the models or algorithms that are created by the data scientists, not only the, do the ones that get the first, second, third place prize get the bounty, in this case, in the BGR token, but for everyone else that quote unquote loses, um, they have the option to place their model as well on the marketplace in order to potentially get the eyes of someone that may be interested in what they came up with. Um, so it wouldn't be like a zero sum game or rather like, you know, the first three people, first, second, third, take all. Um, yeah, no, that's it, it's really interesting. Like how exactly that that would be done. Um, it's going to be more at this point, as he suggested, tied to the token. Um, we're, we're having some DeFi aspects put into it. So, for example, like for any competition host that hosts a competition, they will get uh, a token in return called Compex. So it's essentially a you know like like a DeFi, your typical DeFi liquidity pool where you get a token in return. Um, but yeah, that is definitely a big challenge uh, that, that, we're, that we're facing. So it's going to be more so on the ladder first and then the, then the ultimate goal is to have it on chain. We're working with partners in Cardano and Ethereum to get that done. That's right. Okay, I got a little, little bit of housekeeping here for a second. Um, you know, founder of Alpha Growth here, we're going to do this same space, very similar topic. This time, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern next week on Wednesday again. We've gone, you know, up left center. We've gone meme coin. We've gone AI. We've gone all over the place. I, I went before, you know, we're going to keep it going after the five o'clock bell. But um, one thing that I haven't really heard of is what's the alpha. So I'm going to go around round table, you know, whoever wants to like hop up, you know, quick shill. On, on what's the alpha 2024 and what you're personally investing in or like a quick, you know, 30 second elevator pitch on what you're working on. Bringing value to gaming, bringing value to gaming, reawakening the space to what actually bringing value to players, collectors and holders means and changing digital entertainment as a whole, making it immersive and having seen everything that's happened in the past seven years, learn from that, merge Web 2 with Web 3. Not everything has to be tokenized to the extent that it's being tokenized. Just focus on your users, treat them as people. Let's make Web 3 great again. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I think uh, check out Pulsar is going to have uh, kind of an all hands uh, direct to our community uh, this Friday. So check our Twitter for the spaces there. But ultimately, we're going to have some massive announcements on a, a PFP collection, and then hopefully something a bit bigger. Um, we'll be dropping it there. Um, I think, yeah, we're solving for discoverability across the NFT ecosystem and providing value to artists. It's something that will happen, needs to happen. And I think it's kind of a, a nice moment today with ETF where things are starting to turn the tide. And we think a lot of the Liquidity as well as the consumer use cases will will flow in that direction. We'll be here to help solve it with them. 
from Layer 1X, uh, we are basically uh, solving the issue of true interoperability, native interoperability, bridgeless uh, interoperability. Um, we feel that that will unite change, unite projects, and along with that, we're focused on uh, digital identity by providing power back to the users that they put are in control of their own data. They can monetize their own data. We're currently uh, working with OnChain to bring to all of Turkey's citizens online with digital identities um, that will include uh, government um, paperwork, ID kind of uh, identification stuff. And uh, for us, it's really just boiling down to uh, keeping everything decentralized um, and truly making that transition from Web 2 to Web 3 um, and and going off of the ethos of what Web 3 really stands for and moving away from the Web 2 space. So uh, likewise, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of different projects that we're working with, um, a lot of different government types to execute this. And uh, we'd love to have you guys drop anybody that's interested in jumping on our AMAs. We'd love to have you. From my end, I would add that uh, at Forward Protocol, our uh, primary objective is like WordPress or Web3 to bring in uh, DAP deployment to 800 plus chains in less than uh, two minutes. It's already live up and running and that's our infrastructure side. And we do have our uh, accelerator in Dubai focused on bringing the Web2 value to Web3. So end of the day, everything that we do is focused on that value transition from Web2 space to the Web3 infrastructure. And I believe the biggest market and opportunity moving forward is completely in that space of facilitating the transfer in a seamless fashion. And I'm super excited to see everything that's happening so early on in 2024 and looking forward for the rest of the year. I love that. I love that. Yeah, let's go with 2024 LFG. Um, yeah, real quick. So again, uh, I'm a core contributor over at Hover. Um, Hover is built natively on Kava. We are uh, really ethos driven, working on reclaiming financial freedom for everyone worldwide compliantly. Um, we're doing that with financial opportunities, opening financial opportunities that were previously unavailable or inaccessible to retail users, but also with institutional grade quality. Um, so just uh, some cliff notes here. We have our Genesis pools over, open at hover.market. Um, we've secured 15 million in TVL so far across USDT, Atom, as, as well as Kava. Um, those are gonna be open for right around the next week or so. We've got some exciting announcements regarding a public sale. Um, that should be coming out within the next week or so. In addition to that, we'll have a full market launch at the end of the month, uh, token generation event right after that, followed by exchange listings. So it's a great time to learn a little bit more about the products. If you're not familiar already, join our communities. And hey, just wanted to give a big thank you to Alpha Growth and Brian um, for moderating. Uh, this has been a great space and a super interesting conversation. Yeah, Thanks, I definitely want to thank uh, the Alpha Growth guys. It's been amazing working with you. Just a quick recap on what I'm developing. So our company is called B.Exchange. Um, a lot of our focus is making sure that uh, legal contracts are actually enforceable uh, on chain. 
uh, we're uh, heavily, heavily focused on biotech and particularly drug research. Uh, our focus this year mostly is bringing one of our operating drug programs on chain. Uh, what we're forecasting, if we're if the metrics hold, on average, we'll probably put in half a million to two and a half million um, of capital into each drug research program. We're targeting retail investors for that. Uh, frequently, when these molecules are active. Uh, uh, which we can determine within six to 12 months, then what we aim to do is license or sell the molecule for between 50 to $100 million. So if the numbers hold, um, then you know the participants could get a 100x return um, from a very valuable real-world asset. And that's sort of our kind of phase one uh, focus on the drug research side. Eventually, we think if the economic returns are there, then we can bring a drug fully from you know initial inception all the way to market, uh, but we think that that'll take much uh, a much longer time span. Okay, so on that one, would you rather speculate and gamble on a meme coin or a cure for cancer? So I, I know what I would, but uh, hey, Sarah at Xcohost, thank you for stopping in. Xcohost is rad; they helped us like aggregate some of this together. One somebody I have not heard yet in a while. Joe, what do you got for 2024? Ooh, let's see. I mean, personally, I might be a little bit biased, but I'm super pumped about what Collabland is doing. And for those of you who do not know, Collab is about to open up the floodgates. And this does kind of full circle into Grandma Token. Basically... You are now going to be able to, I mean, a lot of us are pretty busy. We're either building, helping people build. We don't have time to look at all the alpha, but there are DGENs out there who we trust to make decisions for us, right? People that you want to follow, your Jim Cramers of the world. And now with Collabland's new product, you can click their copy trading links and immediately execute trades based on what these different KOLs and community members are shilling you. So right now, I could post, for instance, Grandma Bonk token, and you guys could click my link to buy it right after I post about it. And because I'm the one that shilled the copy trade link, I get half of the protocol fees. So all jokes aside, I think this is going to be a huge unlock, whether it's protocols enabling their communities to shill their token or grandsons shilling grandma token to their grandmas. There's going to be all sorts of fun stuff here. So that's personally what I'm pumped about. And it looks like we've got, we've got a hand up here, McSquaredFi. Just want to, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's an amazing ability to, to easily send around tokens. That's, by the way, also in the direction that we are building with MCSCO Finance, we make uh, digital asset funds instantly available. Um, so that in minutes you can set up uh, funds that fully aligns with current regulations. Um, and for sure, this takes quite some time to build. And it's it going into the same direction that you then will be able to share with a link a full strategy of assets through our partners. And to kickstart in the next probably two weeks, we will launch trading competitions 
there for the first time you can show on-chain verified alpha so that basically users can actually instead of sharing a picture from some exchange where they did how much great what a great trade they did they can then share an on-chain verified page on that you actually know what you're doing and that you actually did this trade and I think that will be very interesting. We will launch that with some famous protocols and media outlets in partnership. Will be an interesting time ahead. Myth, myth, McMythitin. What do you got? Um, as some parting words, apart from the a massive thank you for having us here on the space, it's a lot of people are focusing on reinventing the wheel when they should be focusing on the engine. And let's just make this shit go faster. You know, we've got an opportunity here to bring some serious value across all of these protocols, all the projects, all the concepts. We can change how we are perceived as a market. It's down to us. We just have to execute. Thank you, Myth. And the famous word, words of Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day and Jurassic Park must go faster. Really appreciate that. All right, Mr. Gates. I thought you were going to say life finds a way. <laughs> life does find a way, dude. And must go faster. What do you got, Ross? And swing and a miss. All right. So we got, we got um, a couple things. We got a bunch of protocols and projects up here. Um, so I'll, I'll throw in my hat into the ring 2024 tons and tons of assets trying to come on chain um, with RWAs, uh, the ecosystems, the, the crypto elite, the crypto big bag holders want it, right? They want to like hedge their risks. Um, however, my take is that RWAs that already have, I used to work in FinTech and a FinTech investment bank. And I have to tell you that FinTech is really freaking efficient. And so if there's money to be made there, um, the fintech companies have kind of figured it out. I, and when it comes to RWAs, the biggest things, you know, talking about some of the digital gaming assets from Myth, talking about biopharmaceutical IP, the stuff, or there's another company um, we're talking to called Althea, which is like tokenizing uh, Wi-Fi. So these things that don't have traditional rails and traditional financial rails and, and all types of fintech and fintech infrastructure I think are going to be huge coming this year. That's it's a super excited about the narrative. Um, also excited about GameFi, the stuff like Strapnel. Looking at Strapnel, like you know that thing's going nuts and ham. Like it's got so many. It's like the first like AAA game, first person shooter that I'm like, holy crap, this is like really good um, to play in Web three, and I'm very excited about that uh, as a gamer myself. Um, DSI, DPIN, GameFi. Those are those are going to pump, and I think we're going to see a lot more DeFi plays that are coming up with um, new primitives in, in terms that are maybe not as DGen and meme koi and and ten thousand percent APR, but you know how can how can grandma buy an NFT for for grandson for Christmas or his birthday that that is bonded and comes to fruition and comes complete for like twenty bucks or a hundred dollars uh, after a year or some time frame, so. You know, time locks, NFT, bonds, I, I think they're coming. All right. What you got, Big Grit? No, I agree with you, Brian. Outside of the Web3 AI narrative, and I'm really hoping that this will be the year for ZK proofs as well. Uh, but 
I am also a big gamer, and the fact that it no longer looks like Axing Infinity uh, shit, but good games uh, like Block Lords and what you mentioned, I'm super stoked as well for uh, Shrapnel. Uh, I think it'll be really big, and it could be a, a watershed moment for onboarding people into Web3 if they do it right. The UX and the UI, that's another thing as well, is so critical. But, you know, uh, we're yeah definitely on the same page. Yeah, I think it's always been the case, right? You want to be interacting with Web3 or crypto tech and not know that you are. We want everything to be behind, be all the underbelly or all the rails that it's running on, but just feel like a simple user interface. And I think the same with games. Once we get games that are super high quality, but you get the value of distributed value across the, every stakeholder and you get to own your assets, I think we're, we're off to the races. Name Name a game in the traditional gaming space triple a that isn't created visually graphically by roommate studio then just keep on following us and then follow the journey and you'll see exactly why we're building what we're building and who we have convinced to come into the web3 space and that's pretty much enough said Myth, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm curious, and I'm going to follow up for sure, for sure. Sounded ominous. Right. I like it. Yeah, this is a little bit like I better do what he says, or he's going to come get me. Like, it's a little bit worried. Okay, cool. We did we did a little round table. Um, any any predictions? 2024 predictions. Anybody want to throw one out there? Um, good, bearish, bullish. Uh, I'm I'm very curious. Bitcoin ETF is going to fall through, and we're all going to we're all going to be really really sad. Bitcoin ETF fall through or not fall through, build something that means something, and it won't even fucking matter. Bitcoin ETF approved, guys. You guys know this, right? Allegedly. <laughs> no, no, it's already on the SEC side. Approved. Yes, approved. Approved. Like, approved. We are so back. But I think a big challenge will be in spring that there will be another banking crisis in the US. I think that that still is not over and that will be a big pain in the ass um, and a party pooper for all of us. I, I think that given that this is an election year in the US, they're not going to change interest rates unfavorably and that behooves all of the crypto industry. Um, at least through November. So we should see at least a bull run. If what you're building is massively affected by the market and is entirely dependent on the market, put some deep thought into it. <laughs> yeah. I and then affect the market. It's essentially a case of if you want moon, become the moon. I think the people that focus on your durability, I was just saying, I think the ones that focus on your durability, User experience are going to be the ones that excelled in 2024. Make it simple enough that Grandma Bonk can use it. Heck yeah. Bring on, grand, bring on Grandma Bonk token. <laughs> so, uh, having sold products... Sorry, my mic was a little bit rough. Um, having sold financial products uh, and hedge funds in the past and being part of that ecosystem, one of the key things that I'm bullish on 2024 is uh, for the first time, it seems like there's a bit of a decorrelation between the, the traditional markets and crypto. 
And what this means now is for the first time ever that every RIA in, in existence across the country can now sell some crypto bags as part of their modern portfolio theory and, and decorrelated risk and, and downside protection of, of said portfolios. And I think there needs to be a lot of work done in the infrastructure space around empowering these RIAs, um, just getting people access to crypto and having it into these, uh, the, these custodians on, on the RIA side. They hold about like 76, 77% of all of America's wealth is, is, is held and controlled by wealth managers and RIAs. And so figuring out how to tap that industry is, is a huge, huge market. Just being able to get a bunch of ROAs, they, I mean, their whole goal, they're salespeople. They barely look at your portfolio and, and your wealth management. Figuring out a way to you know, get an easily, easily handled ETF is a great example of, of why that's such a huge unlock because an ETF is something that's easily put into somebody's portfolio and, and um, you know, allows the institutions in a regulated way to come in. If, that's, if this goes through, we could see a capital unlock that's that's massive, but it, I, I wouldn't see it like instantaneously. I'm going to see it like I would say that it's going to start to like trickle in, but it's just going to be this like linear growth. I, 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 I'm not expecting this next bull to be like super parabolic, like the stymie checks and everybody sitting at home the last time. I think this is just like basically trench warfare, like one asset at a time, like uh, creeping, creeping into the uh, software, eating the world thesis. And so uh, that's what I'm excited about in 2024. Uh oh, I don't know if I lost. Ross, what do you got? You got anything for 2024? My stuff for 2024 comes from 2023, talking to the entire film industry and a bunch of investors. But it's more blockchain around security of the films themselves that allow a bunch of AI stuff to happen that could never happen before. Um, so. Uh, I'm excited that the actors are back to work after the actor strike, and a lot of the stuff that they were striking about hasn't been figured out by anyone. And so it's actually just spurred a bunch of great ideas of how the film industry solves these problems with tech like blockchain and security around how to not make a $100 million film leak before it's ready. Coming from a heavy IP background with everything that we're doing at Myth, 100% agree, and people should be protected not just the end consumer, but also those that create it. Web3 offers an unparalleled opportunity here to reinvent entertainment and how we consume it. It's not just the DeFi space, it's literally the day-to-day and everything that we are doing, consuming, playing, or engaging with. 100%. I agree with that. It's about bringing the projects and the data and the content to the consumer rather than trying to force them to go to go to it. Identify the problems, actually bring a solution. What I said before about the protocols is the same. If there's a problem, find a solution to solve it. RWAs have a major issue. A lot of them aren't actually solving a problem that exists in the traditional world. They need to reanalyze, take a step back and actually focus on what matters, which ultimately comes down to transparency and ownership. Focus on that, solve the problem. With gaming, it's been the same. The problem with gaming has come down to consumers spending countless millions, if not billions, on assets and not being able to own them, trade them, or actually interact with them on their own 
terms. We're here to change that, not just us, but everybody in this space from RWAs, DeFi, GameFi, you name it. It's down to us to actually change that narrative and to educate people on the democratization of assets in every single space. Love it. I think, I think the challenge is, is like, you know, we want to, we'll educate our friends over a beer. We'll educate our friends and say, hey, look, you know, I went up 100x on this meme coin. Um, you know, nobody's like shouting from the rooftops, you know, dollar cost average, the S&P 500. And, um, you know, we've, I think, I think in the last couple of years, one of the biggest problems that we've had is, is, is we let too many, we, we kind of like had these narratives of pump and pump and pump. And then, you know, as retail kind of becomes hip and our barbers talk about, you know, what's, what's the next coin to buy? That's usually at the, at the top signal, right? And so we've continuously dumped on retail and, and there's a bitter taste in, in a lot of people's mouth to your, to your point about meme coins and such. So, but that's kind of what the number one use case that I've seen in crypto is basically speculation. If you look at the transaction volume for most chains, there, you got two main kind of use cases that I saw. One is, one is speculation on what the next big thing is. And the other one is is hedging risk. So like internationally, stable coins and hedged risk in the stable coins account for something like 70% of the transactions. It's, it's kind of nuts. It's, it's stable coins in, are like 70% of the transactions outside the United States, one study showed, which kind of makes sense. If you're trying to look for like downside protection, stable coins are just like it. So, but in the US or, you know, some more advanced markets where we have, a, a stable currency it, it seems to be you know vegas and macau and, and, and speculation so i think we need a little bit of both we need we need the ponzi and we need to help the rest of the world out uh, be sitting in a stable asset oh, we do we do but i mean like speculation is everything regulation to an extent is great we were the only web3 project invited to the amif um conference over in athens recently and the clamoring for deregulation on specific topics was massive and the reason is it it stifles advance it closes the doors on people actually being able to make the most out of one of the fastest growing and most interesting markets out there. And it's a huge problem. Ultimately, regulation has to change across the board. It is outdated. It is managed by people that are absolute dinosaurs. I'm 33. They thought I was the security for my COO. And you know, it's, it's a space that can offer so much if applied correctly. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in, but everybody has to focus on what is the problem, what is the solution, not making a solution for something that isn't a problem. Some of our closest partners are in the R RWA space. They deal in tokenizing carbon credits. Carbon credits is one of the largest markets out there. The lack of transparency is the problem.
and transparency, ownership, those are problems that we have to solve. My children, my eldest is 15. They're buying assets in games that they don't own. This is a huge problem because the few are still making the most across the board and it doesn't matter what market you're in. You find the solution, you build. Well, sorry, you find the problem, you build the solution and not the other way around. You don't build solutions for problems that don't exist. And this is where the Web 2 spin into Web 3 comes in. Web 2 should not be faded out. Web 2 exists for a reason. The value that's in Web 2 just has to be applied in smart ways into Web 3. And that goes for gaming, DeFi, RWA, and every single narrative out there. But we have to be smart about it. Myth, and that's pretty I much it. I have my radio. I no longer get a paper, but I still have a radio in my car. I don't think Web2 is going anywhere at all to that point. All right, Raza, you got your hand up. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always looked at this space from different angles to kind of assess where the value is, when the right times are to build certain things. The, the fundamental rule I've stuck to is you can't ultimately uh, build an entire economic engine where you can't convert a token to a calorie for enough people. So the, the, the frustration that I hear uh, from myth is, uh, hey, if the space is going to be synthetic forever, no one can go dump all their JPEGs and then walk over to a grocery store and buy food. And ultimately, you need to be able to get those calories for our species to survive. So I, I totally hear that point. And I think that there is this migration now that's possible for lots of problems that are not addressed by Web2 at all. Um, I'm not saying you can jettison all Web2 because Web3 isn't fully mature yet. But as these technologies are emerging, they're no longer just described as a blockchain. We're dealing now with compute environments. We're dealing with different ways of generating proofs. And I think this this category of Web3 technology will begin to look much, much larger and much more diverse in terms of what you can build. Now is probably, I think, one of the best times to go into the space and attack a lot of real-world industries. And I will go back to the Carta example I cited earlier. The Carta example is a non-obvious one because we spent probably the greater part of the last 12 to 20 months talking to people using that analogy of why you shouldn't use Carta. And almost everyone we talked to didn't understand it. But suddenly, when they had to start closing their Carta accounts, and the investors were like, I'm, I don't have a log of my uh, safe note with you, they were in a weird position of saying, we need to download and archive all this information before we can officially exit Carta. Now, if you're an investor in that situation, you weren't even thinking that it was a problem. But in fact, Web3 is a perfect solution for that. I'll give you another example that I think is, is uh, starting to arrive at its time. Um, there is really no reason anymore in the United States and potentially broadly in other parts of the world that there should be any kind of retail specialty finance company that is making retail level loans to consumers. At this point in the United States, Everything we know about credit is that it's commoditized. 
nobody has a better underwriting model than anybody else. You may have a significantly worse model, but the ones who are underwriting generally are all using the same criteria. They're borrowing money from all the same institutions. They're lending at approximately comparable rates, and they're selling their loans or securitizing them in a market that's pricing them at roughly about the same. Nobody's winning more than anybody else in that space. All the computation for underwriting credit instruments is probably going to wind up in a layer one somewhere in the next year or two years. And when that happens, it's going to literally wipe out most retail specialty finance companies. Whereas today, that, that might seem inconceivable, but I would generally be surprised if SoFi or even you know, JP Morgan at the retail level would have a competitive advantage in underwriting over Web3 technologies within three to four years. Oh, I can I can agree on that. I mean, the TradFi space is backed by speculation and essentially vaporware. Like the TradFi space has become more of a meme than Bonk Grandma. Damn, where to go for here? The TradFi space is uh, is all vaporware. Some say we got good models and they're coming for for Web three. No, okay, okay, okay. One second, one second, one second. Back up anything in TradFi that is backed by anything of any real value. Anything that isn't manipulated at its core, irregarding any of the industries that are backing it up, be it petrol, dollar, or anything, what is backed by anything of any real value that isn't manipulated? And I'll pass that on. The, the meme, bro. The meme of security. The idea of shared value, the interest rates. It, it's all an idea. Like the, the really the radical state of, of evolution of technology and innovation, it all comes from the meme, the narrative, the idea. When the tallest building in San Francisco was being built, this guy made it his like life stream to build that building in, in the Salesforce tower. And he started with a picture. He said, I'm gonna build this building. And they're like, oh, you're crazy. And then he said, well, well here's the blueprints. Here's the financial model. Here's the the capitalization. We it all starts with the meme, the narrative, the idea, and then we backwards in the logic for the dream. And sometimes the dream falls apart, and sometimes innovation sails through, and bam, we have something new and beautiful in the world. But it all starts with the inspiration and the idea. And whether or not that building is backed by an idea, a photograph, blueprints, or even the steel beams that are in it. It's all an idea until it becomes real. So that's why memes are cool, man. You can't, you can't fade the meme. Listen, the meme I, is- I, I do not fade the memes. Never, ever will I fade the memes nor any narrative because the entire world is moved by narratives. The only thing that essentially becomes clear is the entire global economic model has to change. Regulation has to change. The space has to change. And the, to be honest, the only people that are changing the space and that actually believe in the power of people are those that are participating in Web3. The adaptation of what works from the space that nobody in the traditional space calls Web2, it's just the space, it, it, it is what it is. We just have to adapt it 
to something better and actually bring that value, showcase that value, no matter what industry we're working in. And we have to fight against people that are in the least transparent market possible, manipulating and fighting against it. And it doesn't matter which way you want to look at it, the least manipulable market is the one that is literally on chain. And that is what brings value to everyone. And it doesn't matter if it's GameFi, DeFi, RWA, it doesn't matter. I, I, I think that like manipulation is here a tough word because I think the blockchain is the most transparent market. And the more transparent you are, the less um, trust you need between them. And I, I like, I see a lot of of projects, and there's a lot of manipulation in a lot of ways running also in a crypto space. It just is on a different level because of the radical transparency that the crypto space is having. You know, like you you can handle even simple manipulations much easier if you have the transparency. And okay, okay, I, no, wait, wait, wait a second. Sorry, on on that. We've had VCs approach us that have wanted us to literally return funds to early investors, community investors, so that they could get in. Big funds that are in the space are no better than a lot of vultures that are in the traditional space because they see an opportunity when the market is down and when people are down. Pushing the narrative that is the ethos of Web3, the fact that people have the power is what makes things matter the transparency on being able to push things that bring value to people and actually return value to people is what matters i to totally agree like to also give more power to the community like in a free enables you to be customer and investor and at the same time that typically was what uh, was the biggest issue in web 2 that the incentives with investors and customers were mostly not aligned. And so customers always became the product. And I think we can do a lot to change it in, in Web3, but we have to do much more in fighting uh, scammers and fighting bad actors to actually be better than traditional finance. Because like for normal people, especially if you're new to the space, probably the first nine out of 10 contacts that you find that you will read are some sort of like scammers in social media, um, bogus projects, etc. So, um, and I think it's our responsibility to change that, to make it sure that that like quality transparency and trust is built in a space and only when for normal people this is higher than in in, in traditional or web two infrastructures um, we will win otherwise the traditional finance and trusting an institution that you know even if it's kind of walmart or other things they will win over the web free space true so what is the answer the answer is everybody has to be loud and clear about what the message is. Again, when we were at the AMIF, um, I believe it was um, our crowd. When 
our COO was speaking on stage, he interrupted the entire speech just to say, give this woman the money and talk about deregulization. The problem is we're being subdued by those that don't give a flying fuck, speaking clearly, about the end consumer. And again, it doesn't matter what space they're in. They don't care. They want to keep on making money from them and not actually sharing that money with anyone. We have to be loud about what the message of Web3 is. Some of this is just the, the fact of like new emerging technologies and, and what's, what's a shill, what's a scam, and, and what's real innovation. I mean, there's, there's a lot of talks around and one of my favorite thing is to go in throughout history and look at like the biggest Ponzi's in existence. And you can be like, Oh, Ponzi's are terrible. They're, they're, they're horrendous. But some of the greatest Ponzi's created some of the greatest after aftermaths or afterbirths, if you will, of, of the greatest like things. Like if you kind of look at um, one of my favorite stories is there was this guy who was an economist out, out of England and said, Hey, the, the corruption within uh, England, the United Kingdom is, is way too much, and and I, I'm going to give all of my money to this this new land called America, and and they got put into a trust, and this trust said, hey, we're going to go and invest in this place where um, it's got all of this lumber and fur, and every senator and every American elite ended up investing in Arkansas, and what ended up when they started building in Arkansas, it wasn't filled with like fur and gold and everything. It was filled with a whole lot of woods and 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 uh, and and not a whole lot. But because the government decided to say, "Hey, I'm going to back up these uh, American elite. I'm going to back up these senators," this trust ended up becoming the largest trust in in all of its existence at the time, which is now the Smithsonian. So you can look at these different. Ponzi's that are generated and created and these MLM operations and you can say, oh, it's all a scam and these guys are terrible. But kind of this whole industry and tech and innovation in general is all stone soup until it's real. Right? You like I was saying before about, you know, the the Salesforce Tower. It's all an idea and and people are pitching each other on this vision and being in Silicon Valley for like eight, nine years, I could tell you these founders are all pitching vision at the beginning and there's nothing there at the beginning, but an idea, a hope and a dream. And, and, and one of the, one of the statements that a lot of people made in, in the meetings with investors and stuff, if you know 100% that you can build what you say you're going to build, you're probably not innovating enough. And so this is always the challenge of innovation. It's like somebody's, you know, going down, skiing down the slope of, of building their startup and their company. And are, are they, skiing too far over the tip of their skis and are they going to crash or are they going to sail down the hill and, and make everybody a hundred million dollars and you don't really know until you you get more data and and you see kind of what these people do at the end of, at to, the end of the what day I'm oh, sorry. Myth, what i'm trying to say myth is you don't know until it, you know are, are the people on this stage like real are they not real and and i hope they're real and i hope everybody here is is able to pull through in their company and i'm able to pull through on my company and we're able to like all do this together but the likeliness of everybody uh, gonna succeed is is next to zero and so we all think we can do and pull off what we're saying that we can do and pull off but time will tell
What do you got, Raza? Well, I can attest that I'm a bot. I am not real. Uh, <laughs> thank God. But yeah. Soon, all, all my avatar talks to all my friends now. Um, but I think I th- to sort of look at this in a totally different way. Um, you know, in, in the drug space, we had this question, which is, it would be great if U.S. consumers could own their healthcare inputs. And that seems to be easy to do with something, sorry, not easy, but easier to do with something like an MRI machine that's community-owned. Um, in theory, if you have a community-owned MRI machine and you have a token that grants you access um, to it, you can probably get an MRI for 80 bucks maybe less depending on what the economics are. But if you try to go through insurance through through a traditional healthcare provider out of network, you're going to pay $1,500 to $2,000 or so. Um, And that's just the function of how our healthcare system and the economics between providers and insurance companies. Now, I could turn around and say it would be amazing to use Web3 to coordinate all of this stuff extremely easily, but it turns out it's non-trivial to get all those operations working. So we looked at the drug research side and said, well, drug research actually is, is faster in terms of discovery and exit. So people will think positively about this from a real world assets perspective on chain. But for us to go all the way to uh, FDA approval, that would be a 10-year process. And I don't see the consumer of healthcare funding at this point, uh, 10 years of R&D that may not ultimately work. Now, that may happen in 2030, 2035, but I don't see it happening now. So I think it's more important just to figure out where this thing is useful. And it's not necessarily going to be um, always a mutual situation where you have uh, everyone benefiting equally. You might have a scenario where uh, you have profit taking on one side and you have utility and services provided on the other side. And that might be the steady state uh, for quite some time. Uh, I'm also not sure how if you fully mutualize something, how do you make sure that the incentives for founders are high enough? And I'll pull out the most extreme example of a founder. Right. So you've, you've definitely met, met the ultra narcissistic, I'm going to rule the world founder who's determined to build a unicorn. And that person might be full of hot air, but might also deliver real value. But to convince them to step into, let's say, a project where it's maybe largely open sourced or it's entirely for the benefit of the community, that person is going to say, well, where's my upside? And is the community prepared to turn around and say, well, we do have to offer asymmetric upside to this founder if we want, you know, really, really high quality products and services. And I'm not sure the community is ready to make those decisions. So there's a learning process still that is going to come with, I think, what you're trying to envision myth, which I'd love to see as well. But I don't think that all the pieces are there yet. And that's a 10, 15, maybe 20-year process of maturation of not just the technology, but also how people observe themselves in relation to the technology. Okay. How, how, fa- how, how fast has this space advanced in the past two years when necessity becomes, let's say, again, the mother of invention? I, when you've got 
when you when you've got your axie infinities when it comes to GameFi reaching the levels that they reached with the crap that they built, what is the potential that is there for the rest of the space when you can onboard some of the biggest studios into Web3? Not based on speculation, but based on what they're seeing at a software level of what is being built and why it's being built. The transformation here is far different. Every single market cycle brings innovation and it brings a need for a specific change. Not a specific change in narrative, but a specific change at a technical level where people can no longer just put out a shitty trailer for something or a shitty DeFi product that offers a million percent APR, but actual value through quality. And this is the problem. And again, this is where my gripe is with meme coins because meme coins end up getting valuations that affect the space in a negative way. People make money, but the money isn't filtering through to those that are actually building something that means something. So here we have this fucking dilemma of always build something that the people can actually benefit from, bring value back to the people that are actually participating in something, showcase to the world something that means something. And if you're able to educate one, two, three, or a hundred people, a million people, whatever, you're winning. Just bring value. It's not that difficult. It is analyzing a problem that exists and bring value, bring a solution to a problem. That is it. All right, wait, Myth. It's not Myth. I, I got a I got a quick thought on that. The, you keep using the word value, and I've gotta say the concept of value to every human being is completely different. And if you ask Brian what his kids value, if they would rather have a US dollar or some Robux. Brian, what are they going to say? Robux, yes. dude. They don't want money. Okay, money. yeah. My, my, listen, my sons are going to say the same. All of them. I've got three. And I can multiply that by uh, so many children. But at the end of the day, if they don't own what they're actually spending money on, where is the value? Well, I don't know. Breach, I don't know that that's necessary. Breach, no, no, no. Breach that wall. Breach that wall. Breach that goddamn wall on every if, front, and then you're winning. What if we? What if? What if I? What if I make a thousand bucks a month for the rest of my life? I spend a hundred bucks on food, two hundred bucks on rent, a hundred bucks on insurance. I take a vacation every couple weeks. I live a great life. Does that? That doesn't mean that. I. I don't. I don't necessarily assume that ownership and value directly correlate to a good life you know what i mean okay i'll t i'll tell you i'll tell you now my son's fortnite account is probably worth more than your net worth and that's not that and, hard uh, to do that that's exactly that's a 15 year old and he's not in a bear market but he doesn't own his assets but he can sell on a black market give them the means to actually be able to monetize what they're doing in any market and all of a sudden, you're winning. I think everybody agrees with you, Myth. We're all building real use cases in this space. We just are cognizant of the fact that speculation is always going to be there. 
it's not going away. So whether you like it or not, it's a part of an innovation cycle. And two, memes are going to be essential for how we kind of grow this space. But also, Myth, if I, if I may add, the, the comment about your son's Fortnite account, which that's, first of all, that's, that's rad. I think that's really cool, especially because he's only 15. But that argument could also be used directly against you in the way that you are constructing the concept of, of value in that 99% of the world could not give less of a shit about your son's Fortnite account. However, if I have a garden in my backyard and I grow potatoes, even though your son's worth a lot more than me, 99% of the world might want my potatoes more than your son's Fortnite account. So it all comes back to what you consider to be how, 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 lo how loud are you about your potato farm and how loud is my son about his Fortnite account? Where's the market? I, I don't know. And that's that's the point is is everybody has their own perception of value. That's why NFTs, some people are diehard NFT holders of a certain thing. The Supreme brand, fidget spinners, everything is just status until it has real utility and real utility shifts as the environment shifts, right? When when we go into a nuclear winter. Yeah, but you can't you can't no no, you can't you can't you can't sell a fidget spinner. Where are you gonna sell a fidget spinner? Um, what's, the what's the market? What's the market? Where where is your ownership of something that means something to you, where you can actually apply the value, the time, everything to what you own, and you can sell? Where is spot. that on eBay? It's on on it's eBay? It is spot, man. We got Joe's potato pool. Maxis. Counterparty token, counterparty with a Fortnite account. How many Joe's potatoes will it take to buy a Fortnite account? And a we lot. can tokenize well, it, and we can place in it my, on the chain. I think in we're my all joking, but that's that's kind of the crazy thing is probably where most of this is heading is the financialization, the futures of everything. Really, like you're you're betting on everything. Everything's a real world asset. There's a market for everything, and what we're going back and forth on probably everybody that's why again to short mean coins i think is to short degeneracy which i don't think is going anywhere and if more and more of these things are coming on chain i think that's more likely a future than than not okay sure but at the end of the day the value is there the time spent the users Everybody in Web3 is able to monetize their time, their effort, or whatever the fuck they want based on, okay, let's say speculation. But at the end of the day, it's theirs. It's democratization yeah. of assets regardless of where the assets come from. And that is what Web3 is all about. I agree. It's, it's about empowering the end user no matter where they're coming from, it doesn't matter if it's a 15-year-old in, in, in high school or a 50, 60, 70-year-old, wherever. It doesn't matter. It's about empowering them. And, and more accurately reflecting their, their contribution to that value cycle, right? If your son or whoever is playing a game, they're putting in their time and effort. And that's where the value is accruing versus someone no, else. No, one hundred, one hundred percent. I mean, if 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 my son is contributing to the value of a company, why the hell should that company not be rewarding that player, that person, that individual with value? If at the end of the day, somebody that is providing value to something, regardless of what industry it's in, 
why should they not be receiving something in exchange? That goes for data, it goes for gaming, it goes for finance, it goes for everything. And that is what this damn space is about. Well, Myth, I, I will say just a, a slight pushback on that. Yes, that's what this space is about in regard to if you want control and ownership of your own creation, you can leverage the technology of Web3. Absolutely. However, some could argue also that your son's time doesn't necessarily need to be paid one-to-one -one because of the amount of millions of dollars in investment and marketing and development has been spent on his entertainment. Why not? Why not? Why not? Tell me why not. If those people are making 10, 100, 1,000 times more, well, why are this? Why? No, no, why? No, no, why? No, no, why? In a cap, I'm not questioning capitalism. I'm, I'm questioning... I'm questioning the ethos behind capitalism. I'm questioning everything that has fucked up every financial system in existence. And the only thing that is realistically fixing that is exactly what we're all basically staring at Twitter and Telegram for, which is an ETF, which again actually comes down to capitalism full circle again. And we're depending on centralized systems. The value is in the individual. Individuals are worth something. Their time is worth something. Everything is worth something. Effort is worth something. Effort is Web free, Web3 3, Web 3 hey, is, so is the only thing that can bring value to individuals because it's the only thing that can empower that's individuals. Not, I don't think that's true at all, man. I, I don't hey, think that's, that's, hey, let's, I don't let's think get, that's true. Get this, you know. Myth, I, a, a lot of your ethos uh, I'm completely aligned with, like a lot of the ethos, right? So, you know, working in finance, working for the government in finance, what, 15 years ago now, and the amount of money spent and on the craziest shit that you would not believe that I can't talk about, and then working at the FEC on the craziest shit, what people spend on elections and how the money is transferred and all of that stuff, I was like, this system doesn't make any sense. And, and, and it's a ticking time bomb. And you can go look at the national debt as a ticking time bomb. And you can go look at a whole bunch of other things as a ticking time bomb. The other thing I will say that got me really heavy into this space is my, my account was wiped when I was having my first kid by the IRS, by somebody who did a chargeback on software delivery that I delivered to a client. And they, they charged it on a credit card. And then it got like charged back and then a, a string of events and bad lawyers uh i got my accounts wiped you know you do not own the money in your bank account you do not own and, and the government is printing as much as it wants because it's set it up right and so when you're kind of at the ethos of the the, the question that you're asking is when somebody set up fortnite an investor set up fortnite or any company they get to make the rules because they wrote the thing and they built the thing from the ground up. And the question that you're saying is at what point does it become a public good where we have to take back control of this situation and we have to take back where they have too much power? In, in the arms of like Facebook and the arms of Twitter, these organizations got way too much power from a social experience. And yes, there should be something that comes up that from, a, from a social networking standpoint. And Web3 should solve that problem because you should be able to own your data and your posts and your images that you post and they have value and they have some sort of value and trying to figure that out and how to tokenize that and, and have the value transfer all kind of like lined up is like 100% why I'm here. So I, I from an ethos standpoint, completely, completely agree. But the rules are now changing. 
we're we're in a new age. We didn't have this technology before. You know, ten years. I don't know when Fortnite exactly was made, but Bitcoin probably wasn't even out by the time when they were setting up these companies and setting up these organizations. And these, and this wasn't available. So this tech is here now, and the next ten to fifteen years is going to be rad uh, on the di different types of things that can be built and shared, and how we can figure out these ways. And then then the next point is is how do you how do you um, satisfy a community. Once you efficiently decentralize a token or, or governance, how do you make sure that the people are reasonably educated enough to be able to make good financial decisions and decision-making power on, on the use case of where the token or the governance of the protocol should go? Like, I'm not totally convinced having to sell the DAOs. I, I'm not sure anybody else has sold the DAOs here. But if you sold to a DAO, it is such a kludgy, like, mysterious process that we, we still haven't figured out how to do really good governance in the space. So still a lot of problems on the table. I got about five minutes left. I want to hit this on a good note. We're all here for the same reason. We, we see an opportunity. We know that there's a better way. And now it's time to build a softer pillow. So. Um, I want to I want to close this out on on a positive note. If anybody has any last things to shill, yeah, happy to real quick, Brian. Yeah, I just wanted to say, Myth, thank you for having strong opinions. I wish more people were like you. I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm excited for next week. Hopefully, you come back and we can dive more in. But but appreciate everybody up here and and thanks, Brian, for uh, for throwing this together. Yeah, I'll just I'll shill again. Friday, Pulsar is having our after hours where we're going direct to the community, uh, making some pretty massive announcements about we're headed in some pretty big drops upcoming. So please go to Pulsar.ai and check out our Twitter spaces this Friday. Thanks so much, Brian. Really appreciate it. Hey, I'll jump out and say uh, thanks, Brian, uh, for having us. It was way fun. Um, L1X is doing a giveaway, half a million dollars in L1X coins to. Uh, to a lucky winner uh, before the 15th of the month. So if you want to check it out, go check out l1xapp.com. I think we're giving away two two winners on that one. So, well, if we're if we're shilling, just keep on following our Twitter account, and you'll understand exactly why we're talking about what we're talking about. We're here for the people. We are building with real people. We have got companies coming in that have never entered Web3 and they're entering Web3 for a reason now. This space is amazing. Thank you guys so much for having, well, me and all the arguments. But I seriously, I, I seriously love this space. This space saved my life. It has made everything that we wanted to build possible. Just keep on building. Just keep on building. I got I got a shill. Um, completely not related. They're not a client. I think it's really interesting. This is dude named Blau. He's part of Royal.io. Um, he put together this song. There's only they're only gonna sell 333 tokens on Friday. Um sonic.royal.io. And what it does is you get to mess with an AI model and take some of his beats and mess with an AI model and, and print your own NFT song where you will own the royalties and the IP too. And I think it's a really cool use case where it's a mixture of AI, 
uh, IP rights, I'm going to ape in. Um, only 333 songs will be able to be created. But once you get the license to that song, you own it. So you can you can publish it on Spotify. You can you know throw it out there. I think it's a really cool use case, a mixture of tokenization, AI, and, and IP rights. So I think that's pretty rad. That's happening, uh, I think, this Friday. Um, and I don't know Blau, but I, I, uh, I'm curious to see what, what happens here. All right, BitGrid, Raza, MC Squared, any, uh, any closing remarks? No, I just hey. want to thank you guys for, uh, for hosting this and looking forward to next week. And if, if music is of interest, I will talk about Juice World next week. Juice World? Same for me. Thanks for hosting it and organizing. It's always great getting interesting people together and talk about it. And I love the spaces because it's even more about getting to know more speakers and people who have opinions and share them because that's kind of how you build then um, your own narratives. This was rad. Everybody, thanks for coming up to the stage talking. We're going to do this again next week. I got to go. I got like three little monkeys of my own. I got to go feed and make sure they're acting right. And uh, see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Take care. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets, dead ends, dragging out the max amount of payments, red down. Got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these token knocks They probing this bear Flexing broken honest I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting knotters And then to end a long day Eleven bowls of chronic Never known the politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy To pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists Jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity Before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss It's all moss And I'm liking the odds Bond doing the morning Forming mycological bonds Click the cap Yo, the world is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy While the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked in non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns white knight and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served
Spaces. <laughs>